0: It's so good to see all of you this morning. I see that everybody is bright because it's sunny, it's lovely. My baby woke up at 5.30 this morning and I got up with him at 6 o'clock and I was so happy because it was lovely and bright. How could you not be happy in this day? And it's just a great opportunity to come together as a church. And that's really the the series that we started last week. This is week two. It's called... Together. Because we believe as a church that God has called us and brought us together. And uh, one really big announcement before I launch into our sermon today is that we're going to be gathering together on the 22nd of May at six o'clock, for a very special core team meeting. Now, what is the core team? Am I a part of it? Am I not a part of it? Really, we say, you know, in, in this church, we don't have any level of membership, or there's uh, people who, who are special and not special. We say, if you consider yourself a part of open arms, and a part of this church, we consider you a core person within the church if you're committed to this church saying this is my home this is where I want to plant myself well I am inviting you personally to come and join me on the 22nd of May at six o'clock where we are going to have a celebration right so just given you that before in case you're thinking is this bad news is this not good has something happened no it's this exciting news that we're really excited to share with you excited to share with us as a church and as a congregation I'm going to be talking Talking a lot more about what we're going to talk about the core team meeting in the coming months, but I'd love to invite you at at six o'clock on this Sunday, the twenty-second of May, and there might even be donuts here as well. But um, we're starting this series together. Together means to be with each other. It means to be in partnership, to be in collaboration and cooperation with one another. In fact, Psalm one thirty-three says that. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. For there the Lord bestows His blessing, even life forevermore. One translation says that where there is unity, where His people are together, God commands a blessing. He commands a blessing. Right now as we we come together as a church that God blesses us as individuals, as together with our spouses in our marriages, as our families, as as parents, as workers and colleagues throughout the week, that that he blesses us. And, And being together means being for each other, with each other, behind each other. That means that we celebrate together and we mourn together. That means that we experience joy with one another and we experience sadness with one another. In fact, that Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? What Rahul just said there is so incredible. The temple, the church, is not a building. Temples fall and turn into ruins, but we together are the temple. We together are the church, and that God's spirit dwells in your midst. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person, for God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. We together are sacred to the Lord. We together, God commands his blessing. He pours out his blessing. And so to discover this theme and Looking for us, what what this looks like for as a church, we're going to go through and are going through the book of Ephesians. If you've got your Bibles there, I'd love for you to turn with me there. And really encouraging us as a church that you know, church is not just about Sunday morning, it's it's Monday to Sunday, it's daily, it's practical and applicable. I really encourage you to be reading through the book of Ephesians and read through it slowly and absorb it and ask God, God, what are you saying to me? and for me in this season and as we come on Sunday mornings and we're going through it together that God really will reveal to us his word and the book of Ephesians is written by the Apostle Paul or Saint Paul as many know him and he's writing it to the church in Ephesus. Ephesus is now in modern day Turkey and Ephesus at this time is one of the epicenters in the world of culture, of wealth, Uh, uh, and really is a is a hub of transport and here we see this small church that are together that are experiencing life change through Jesus Christ and are bringing others and and we see Paul writes to them to encourage the church and build up their faith and really for us it's also encouraging us how we are to be together as a church and so last week we looked at Ephesians 1. uh, from 1 to 14. Today we're going to look at Ephesians 1, 15, right through to 23. It begins, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you The spirit of wisdom and revelation, so that you may know him better. Now that is the important scripture and focus for us today that Paul is saying that I am asking the Lord, He's persistent, constantly. One translation says that he's he's asking, He's persistent in his prayer and asking God to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So that you may know him better. I pray, verse 18, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. The title of my message today and the focus for this sermon is the Spirit of Wisdom and Revelation. The Paul's Prayer for the church in Ephesus, and I believe that the, really the focus for us today is that God would give us the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. He says, to know him better, to know the hope to which we are called, to know the power of God in our lives, and to know his church. And let's just pray. God, I pray right now that as we gather together in this place that you would, you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Or that you would bless us and pour out your blessing, that you would command a blessing right now as your people are united and each of us going through our own lives and our own walks and our own journeys and our own trials and struggles. But God, I pray that you would give us the spirit of wisdom to know exactly to what you've called us to and the spirit of revelation to know where our steps are leading us and that you are in control and you are sovereign and that you are over us. God, I pray, pray that you would bless your people called open arms today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as Christians, when, when we read God's word, we read it really in important to read the context of the day in which it was written, but also in the present tense for, for what it means for us. You know, we're, we're reading here words that were written 2,000 years ago, and at times people can get lost and what does this mean for me and as you study the bible study scripture there's a word it's called hermeneutics hermeneutics is the theological term for interpreting scripture And, and what it really means is asking two questions what did it mean then and what does it mean for me now that's at the end of the day what interpreting scripture is now we receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation for ourselves as we read the scripture and ask god what are you saying for me but also there is a a certain supernatural power um and revelation that comes when we gather as a church and we read it together and ask god what are you saying for me individually but also corporately for us as a church and so What we see here that Paul is writing to a group of first century believers, but he's also speaking to a group of 21st century believers. What's really important for us to believe is that God's word is timeless. It is timeless and true. It is for every person at every time. We know that his word, as we cry out to him, saying, God, speak to me, give me direction. God, where, what am I supposed to be doing? Where am I supposed to be going? And he's given us his word. He's given us his direction. As we look at these words and as we look at this scripture, that we see that the Paul has this desire for his church and for us as a church to receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now, last week, we looked at our identity, and the title was Together for a Purpose, And really, we see that our identity is received, it's not achieved. You know, it's not something that you have to go and find. It's not something that you have to go and work for. It may describe your life and what you do, but it does not define who you are. And the same is true when we look at the spirit of wisdom and revelation. It is to be received. It is given to us by God. As he says, I pray to the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, our glorious Father, that he may give you The spirit of wisdom and revelation. And we see in verse 13 that we are blessed with this divine wisdom, this divine revelation. In fact, the word wisdom is described as the practical knowledge of how to live. It's, it's how do I actually lead my life? How do I live? How do I manage my finances? How do I lead my family? How do I do my work in a, in a way that I'm able to lead it as best as I can? That's the wisdom. It's the practical knowledge. But the revelation is a divine insight into God's plan and His purposes. That he's able to give us the wisdom and the revelation that together we're able to unlock exactly what God has for us. Now what's interesting and what really, as I was reading this scripture and looking at seeing exactly what Paul is saying. That the purpose of us receiving this wisdom and revelation, it says, so that you may know. That you would know in your heart, in your spirit, that you would have this This confidence within you that I know, I know as I know as I know, and then he outlines four important things that I want to share with you today and and give you that four things that we would receive through the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we would know and experience, that we would seize and take hold of, that we would walk out of this room today saying that "I, I feel built up, I feel edified, I feel encouraged because there's a lot of things in this world that I don't know. Anyone else with me? There's so much that I don't know, but God has given me the spirit of, rev- of wisdom and revelation and these things, thankfully, I know. I know my heart. In fact, the very first thing that he says, I pray that he give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Interesting word. Not that you would know him You know him better, better than before. In fact, the the message translation says, so that he may make you intelligent. Isn't that a great scripture to receive because I am not intelligent? But he may make me intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. Describes this this personal relationship which we have with Jesus where we're to experience a togetherness with Jesus that we don't just know him, I know him better. I, I know him better than the day before. You know, I'm married 15 years this August with my wife Jillian, and my, my, I know her better today than I did before. In fact, I love her more than I did when I first met her. I, I grow in my relationship with my wife, and when I don't, the relationship will suffer. The same is true in our relationship with Jesus, that we are to know him better. The Amplified Translation says, so that He may grant you insight into mysteries and secrets and the deep and intimate knowledge of Him. Now, I've met so many uneducated, inexperienced, young Christians who, who can come across sometimes as naive, who can come across like they don't know much, but in fact, they know far more and more intimately the things of God than would be someone who knows God all their life and has gone to church all their life. And what, why is that? It's because they have a deep desire to know Him better. They, they have this deep intelligence that's not human intelligence. It's a spiritual intelligence that they have this desire. I I just love Jesus. I want to know him more. I'm hungry for more of him. And somehow God just unlocks and reveals mysteries and secrets to us. And all of us, we know that thankfully our intelligence is not based upon a a piece of paper that some of us haven't even received or a level or grading that we, we may describe or in a way defines our life, but with Jesus, he gives us an intelligence, he gives us a discernment, he gives us an understanding of the things of God, that even, and many of us as parents, as we grow up our children in the ways of the Lord, that even a child may know more, and see more, and hear more, and revealed more of the things of God than someone else who just follows God because that's the good thing to do or slips into religion. And this is really a challenge to each of us to have a desire to draw closer to Jesus. As we looked at last week, we've seen that our identity is found in Jesus. We are made in the image of God, and knowing who God is through Jesus Christ in a personal relationship with Him will help us to discover who we are and what we've been called to we see that the same is true in this instance with knowing him better. The NIV, it says to know him better. It describes it, some translations says to, that to know him deeper or more intimate. That we would grow in him. That we would know of him more. That we receive more of a re- revelation of who he is. And in effect, Paul is saying that I pray that you don't stay here. I pray that you would grow in him. My prayer is that you wouldn't just allow your relationship with Jesus to grow stale and stagnant, but you would know him more, that you would grow in him more, that you won't allow your faith to just become lukewarm, but that you would have a spiritual temperature that is on fire for Jesus. And if you're at the place where you say, well, Sean, that is not in any way that describes my faith, thankfully, we serve a God, this is when you come to him, he says in, in James, the book of James, when you draw close to me, I will draw close to you. That when you seek me, you will find me. That we may have a faith that is uncertain, full of doubt and confusion, but it's a faith that can be renewed. It's a fire that can be reignited, that we come back, we know him better. Here's the second thing that Paul, where really he's praying for us to receive through The spirit of wisdom and revelation is that we know the hope to which he has called us. You see, knowing God better allows our eyes to be enlightened, to receive clarity, to receive revelation, that through growing in God, we receive an insight and a wisdom and an understanding. And really, he begins to reveal to us in greater clarity the steps that we are to take. In verse 18, it says, I pray that your the eyes of your heart may be enlightened or illuminated. The Amplified Translation says, by having the eyes of your heart flooded with light. The, the word heart here, it, it represents the core of your life. It is the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual hub of your being. It is is the heart, the core of your life. And it says, with the eyes, which represents inward vision. Which is not eyes to see in the physical, but the eyes, as he says, to know. Where it's being able to say, I know in my heart. I'm able to see it in my heart. What I see in my current reality does not describe what is in my heart, but I know in my heart, therefore I will be led by faith in this, to see inwardly, to believe and to trust. In order that, verse 18 that you may know the hope to which He has called you. So we see that there is this journey that we go through with Jesus and knowing Him better in order that then we would know the hope to which He has called us. The Living Bible says that you can see something of the future that He's called you to share. The NLT says the confident hope to those He has called. The message translation is that your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what He is calling you to do. I want to ask you today, if you were to close your eyes, do that with me for a moment. If you were to close your eyes, do you know that He has called you? As you close your eyes in the physical, and as you allow the spiritual eyes to see the core of your being, your heart, the physical, emotional, mental, Spiritual state of your being, do you know that He has called you? And here's the next question Can you see what He has called you to? Can you see it? You're going to open your eyes with me. Now, the question, can you see it? Oftentimes the answer is, I can only see so much, or I can't see it at all. You know, there are times in our life where we can experience confusion, doubt, unsure about the hope to which he has called us. And I've experienced this in my own life only recently, you know. As many of you know, my my wife Jillian and having our fourth baby experienced postpartum illness and was in hospital for for a period of time. And in that time, me, let alone managing four kids on my own, at times I was like, Have you called me to do this, or should I, you know, travel to a Mediterranean country, or you know, whatever? (laughs) You know, like, is this what I'm called to do? But at the same time, feeling the burden and the weight in that time, as you may feel in yourself, it caused me to question: Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this where I'm supposed to be? Do I know what I'm doing? Do I know where I should be going? And in that time and in that place, all I know is to lean on Jesus, to go back to Him, in that place of desperation, to depend on Jesus. And what happens in this place that we find ourselves in, where we we have that experience, where it feels like the waters are muddied and we can't see, that God reveals to us exactly the hope to which He has called us. And in that place, I have received greater clarity in exactly to what He has called me to do. He's called me to be a husband. He's called me to be a father. He's called me to be a leader and to be a pastor. He's called me to be a a man after God's own heart. He's called me to be a son, to be a friend. What has he called you to? Can can you come to the place of greater dependence, even in the place of desperation? Then you may not see what is to happen next, but that he would reveal to you the hope to which he has called you. This hope in which Paul refers to really, it conveys a sense of confident expectation in spite of the current situation. That that he's calling us, it's a hope in the future. It's a hope not yet realized. Really, he's describing this this hope that we come to the place and saying, God, I know that you're working things together for your good. He doesn't describe the contents of our hope Or describe what it's going to look like because it's going to be different for each and every one of us in the context of our lives. And really what Paul is doing here is is referring to a tension that happens in the life of every single believer. Within the core of our heart. And it's this tension of the already and the not yet. It's this tension of the place in which I am and the hope to which he has called me to. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, as we read last week, it says that we receive every, that we've been blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. This means that when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, is that we have already received every blessing, every every heavenly blessing in Christ. But yet at the same time, we haven't experienced every heavenly blessing. There's this tension that goes on in our life where it comes in the place where we're living in this tension, certain of the hope to which we are called, but yet not seeing it fulfilled in our lives. And in my short experience of, it's been almost 30 years within the church and, you know, almost 15 years in ministry, I've seen many Christians give up because of this tension. And it's this tension where I can see the hope to which I am called to, but I'm not seeing it. It's this tension where I'm believing for what's going to come, but what I'm seeing has not yet come. And what I've seen, and many of my friends, those who have walked with, many who have seen come to, into the church and leave the church, many who I've seen walk alongside me but have fallen away, is what happens when they haven't yet seen it fulfilled, they go and try to fulfill it themselves. And in that place, they fill that gap with money, career, children, partners, you know, other experiences and the joys of life, and yet still you can see that there's this unfulfillment. Because at one time, God revealed to them exactly the hope to which they're called in. But they didn't stay around to see it come to pass. In that tension and in that place of the already and the not yet, they gave up. God has given me a heart of grace for people like that. An understanding, a love for people. And when we began this church and started this church, our heart was for the unchurched and the dechurched. Those who've fallen away from church for whatever reason, we do never show condemnation, but we pray for God to reveal to them once again the hope to which they are called. That they would see clearly again. That they would run to Jesus. That what they have seen, they will come back and stay with Him so that they may seize it and see it fulfilled in their lives. The question I have for you is, well, what about you? What about the tension that you're experiencing even right now? Are you truly taking hold of the hope to which God has called you to? The scripture that we, many of us know and many of us have become familiar with in Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to give you a hope and a future. God wants to give you a hope and a future. He wants to reveal it to you. He wants to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He'll never give the plan to you in which you know what's going to happen next, but oftentimes He just reveals to you the next step. But how many times have we gone on our own to find our own plans in our own way in which God is calling us to come back to Him to take hold of the hope to which He's called us to? And all He's calling us to do is to be faithful, all he's calling us to do is to know him better, that we would know the hope to which he's called us to. And here's the third thing, and a really crucially important thing that Paul is, is praying to God to give us today is that we would know his power. Amen. We know his power. Verse 18, verse 19 says, His incomparably great power for us who believe. The Amplified says the immeasurable, unlimited, surpassing greatness of His power in and for us who believe. The message says to grasp the utter extravagance of His work in us who trust Him. Endless energy, boundless strength. Living Bible says how incredibly great His power to help those who believe Him. It it is the power to help us is the power that's for us to receive the ability that he's given us to live life in such a way that we'd hold on to the hope to which he's called us but he empowers us to live the life to be able to see it come to pass this power is available for all all of us it is a spiritual strength it is a supernatural ability i don't know if you've experienced this in your life but i i'm I have experienced this so much and I'm experiencing it right now as I question myself God, how am I still standing? How am I keep going? How do I? And the answer is because of the supernatural power that we receive only through Jesus Christ. It is available to each and every believer, each person who plays their hope and faith in Jesus that it's only because of a supernatural strength that goes beyond, Human understanding. It's indescribable. It it goes beyond human intelligence. It is something we only receive through the spirit of wisdom and revelation. It is the powers. Verse 20 says it like this. The Paul says that this power for us is the same as the mighty strength God exerted through the resurrection and the ascension. The same power that Christ was raised from the grave is the same power that ascended Jesus to heaven, seating him at the right hand, honoring his son with the highest possible honor. As verse 21 goes on to say, where he is far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. This verse declares that Jesus is Lord over all. What do we sing earlier on? That he's worthy of it all. He's worthy of it all. And what we see in the example of Jesus is he came from heaven to earth. He took a human form. He's incarnate. God incarnate. We see an example for each of us to be lived out in our lives. What we see is that Jesus humbled himself taking human form. And God ascended him And the highest possible honor to be Lord over all. We see Jesus, he's made an example for each and every one of us. When we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, that we experience the same power that raised Christ from the grave. We see see the same power that raised Jesus as he humbled himself in the form of man. And yet Jesus ascended him. What we see is that when we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, He lifts us up. He raises us up. When we try and go and do it on our own according to our own ways and our own needs, and we have that pridefulness that's inside each and every one of us, the selfishness, the me, I, and myself, what happens? We never experience the power of God. But what happens, and I don't know why it is and how it works, but when we humble ourselves and we release and surrender and place our trust in Him, it's in that time and in that moment that we receive the supernatural power and provision of God. He honors us by placing us in positions that we could never have been in by our own. He honors us by opening doors that were otherwise closed. He honors us in experiencing favor and blessing that wasn't there beforehand. He he honors us in blessing us and pouring out his favor upon us as we do and as we work and as we go about our lives. Both myself and Jillian, we've experienced this in our own life. We should not be where we are today. We should not have experienced what we've experienced. We should not have what we have, but only by the grace of God, but also by humbling ourselves under his mighty hand as he provided for us supernaturally. His provision does not always come in the physical way that our world and society orders things, but oftentimes it comes when when I lower myself, He lifts me up. When I sit at the end of the table, He he moves my place. When I surrender and release control, He then is able to sovereignly be able to ordain my paths and direct my path. The spirit of wisdom and revelation is to know him better. That we would know the hope to which he has called us. That we would know the power that he's given us to live this every single day and life that we have. And here's a fourth and final thing. That we would know his church. We know his church. See, this is where the together part comes into. Paul oh, could have ended that God has given you a great plan and a great purpose and he's given you the power to do it. So, so go and experience it. And he talks about the church, it, it, the church, his temple, his sacred people coming together As verse 22 says, God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. The Amplified says that he appointed him the universal and supreme head of the church. The original word here that's used in Koine Greek for the word head, it, or- it originates from the sense of origin. The church's origin is found in Jesus. But the source of the church is Jesus. Jesus is the head of the church. The head inspires, sustains, guides, encourages, empowers. Verse 23 says, the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Jesus is the head. The church is his body. This describes a spirit of togetherness, of unity. Jesus and his church are one. We are one in Jesus. We as the church with Jesus are together. You cannot love Jesus without loving his church. Think about how hard a statement that is to grasp. Because there's a lot of churches that have broken hearts. But yet Jesus has called us to love the church. His beautiful bride that he's preparing for the day in which he will come again. The church is made up of people. What are people? People are broken. People are lost, are sinful. People hurt other people, betray other people, let each one of us down. But the church is as people together. The church is a people together with Jesus as the head. The church is his beautiful bride in which he is preparing And as much as the church has maybe broken our heart, as much as we live in a land that really where the church has broken and betrayed people's trust and abuse, Jesus is still calling his church together. Together. We are his church. We must know his church and be his church. For in essence, and this is really important for us to grasp in our theology and our understanding of the Christian faith, Paul concludes that Jesus was resurrected from the grave to display the incomparable power of God that is available to us for the purpose of establishing the church. The open arms church is Christ's body here in South Dublin and Kildare. We are his church in which he speaks and fills everything with his presence. That as we come together, within this room, we are His church. And as we leave, we are His church. We are to be the church. And Jesus, who was given His authority over every power and dominion, where everything comes under His feet, comes under His name, He empowers His church. He empowers His people to be able to overcome every power and dominion, to overcome everything that we face, to overcome every trial and situation. How? Together, together, with one another, for one another, behind one another, together. Eugene Peterson translated in the Message Translation, he says, verse 23, The church you see is not peripheral to the world or secondary to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. For the church is here for the world. Jesus says you are not to hate the world, to condemn the world. You love the world. To love your neighbor. To love your friend. To love your parent. To love your family member. That we are here, and this is called to seek and to save the lost. Who is the lost? Those who are in need of Jesus. That the lost may be found. The lost may be able to come Together in a home and in a house that worships Jesus. That we are called to be the church, and we exist as a church to be a life-giving church, to see others and our people and our loved ones experience life change through Jesus Christ. That is why we exist, to see others fall in love with Jesus. But it begins with us being in love with Jesus why don't we just close our eyes and bow our heads for a moment. I'm going to invite the worship team just to come back up. To finish in full circle and going back to the start, if you just take a moment just to close your eyes and bow your heads and just give that complete focus just between you and Jesus right now in this moment. The same as we close our eyes to see inwardly. It's going back to the very first point, the very first thing that Paul says, the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know Him better. Do you know Him? Do you know God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, our glorious Father? The one is for us. Are you in relationship with Him? And if not, I want to give you an opportunity to place your faith in Him. Maybe you're at the place where you just need to start again. Experience a refreshment. What I want to call you to do is repent. Confess your sin. Say, Jesus, I'm I'm sorry. I've messed up. I've fallen. I've failed. I've let you down. I've let others down. Jesus, I ask for your forgiveness. Forgive me. Help me. I- I've tried to pursue my own plans and my own ways. I know the hope to which you've called me, but I've given up in the tension of the already and the not yet. I'm sorry. I want to start with you again. The truth of the gospel is that he gives us his grace. Our hearts are renewed. Our spirits are renewed. Our strength is renewed. And he gives us the supernatural power and strength to be able to fulfill exactly what he has called us to. So if you're in that place and you want to give your life to Jesus or renew your faith in him, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me and just say with me, Jesus, I give you my life give you my life I ask that you forgive me you forgive my sin you give me a new heart a heart of grace a heart of love I believe today that I am chosen that I am forgiven that I am set free and I am saved by your grace In Jesus' name.